Let me read this scripture because we're going to talk about that tonight. Let me read this scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 5, or chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. I'm going to show you something in the Bible that I've never seen before and I don't think you've seen before. The Holy Spirit poured it down on And watch this. It's about a centurion officer. The story is pretty um, familiar. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, everyone say Capernaum. And centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and a servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having a soldiers under me. And I say, this one go, and he goes, and another one come, and he comes to my servant. Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he was marveled. Everyone say he was marveled. Marveled. The only time that Jesus was marveled at somebody's faith. He was marveled at lack of faith, but he was marveled at this man's faith. And he said to those who followed, shortly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And then we are in this, in this series called Kingdom Culture. I entitled this message, Same Country, Different Culture. Say that. Say, same country, different culture. You'll understand it. Father, I thank you for the words that you've put on my heart. They're not for me. They're for people, Lord Jesus, to get to know you in a deeper way. You always told me, I'm just a vessel. You can use anybody. I'm just a vessel. And I pray that it would pierce hearts and it would give somebody a demand to go out, to go and get those, to bring them in here so they can get a touch from you, Father. We just thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Give the worship team a hand clap. Great job. Excellent job. Brenton, my man. Mikey, love you, brother. You want to check it out, Mikey? Am I good now? My, you know what? I'm going to stop talking bad about you, Mikey. I love Mikey. Yeah, listen, I love that guy. I love that guy. I'm always on him because I love him. But uh, I'm just happy to be here, man. And I know we have an online audience. My online audience, I just want to thank you for joining us. On, on, Mikey, we sure we're good. Okay. Online, I just want to tell you hello and thank you for coming. Online, online, online. Online, say God is good online. Thank you online for saying God is good. I appreciate you. And just again, I just thank you. I, I, every time I come up here, I got to notice my pastor, Pastor uh, Gary and Kim Wiggins, you don't know what they've done for me. I'll share a little bit, but you, you don't know, and I always do it. I always do it. I just recognize them because I love them. The city loves them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, and I don't do this. Uh, this you're, the staff here at Evangel Temple, man, great people. I love them all. And, you know, I'm... Uh, his names I'm going to miss, Sean. I, Sean, I know you're back there listening. I know you're back in your office listening, Sean, my man. I know you're back there. Him and uh, Miss Sharon, Miss Sharon and um, Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie and I, we used to share an office together. Every morning, I'd come in, Pastor Eddie and I, we were the original Miami Vice. If you don't understand it, you might have to look it up. Young people, you don't understand it. Miami Vice, that was me and Pastor Eddie. Pastor Rick, Pastor Randy, thank you, man. Thank you so much for all that you do. Miss um, Rhonda and Mr. Tim, thank you, man. Thank you. These people were serving me. They didn't even know who I was. Served me when I first got here. I thank you. And Miss Kay, <sighs> we'll just move on. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I love Miss Kay. I love Miss Kay. But we're in, this, we're in this, this series called Kingdom Culture. Pastor Gary was talking about, and I saw something. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you something in the Bible. I don't think you've seen it either, but I saw it, and I was talking to Pastor Gary about it uh, on uh, Saturday called me. I was in the grocery store getting groceries, and I tried to leave my phone in the car so I don't get distracted. And he was calling me, looking for me. 
And so uh, I was just talking to him about it, and I was like, Pastor Gary, I'm not ignoring you. Trust me, I'm not ignoring you. I was getting some groceries. I was getting some groceries. Swiss cheese sometimes is better than talking to you on the phone, but I was getting some Swiss cheese, amen. But uh, let me get into this, because here's what I thought. Like, when you're talking about culture, like, the culture that goes on, now, like, when you read the Bible, sometimes you've got to understand the culture of what's going on. So when I started preparing this, you know, God, you guys understand, God deals with me. And he's like, this is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to say. I can use it. It's not. So it's not, it's not James, okay? And so when I thought about this, I thought about what if somebody two, three, four hundred years from now, I personally think Jesus is going to come back before that, but, you know, no man knows the hour, okay? So what if somebody reads in the newspaper 200 years uh, ahead in the year, I guess that would be 2020, all right? What if they read this article in the paper, and this is the article says. The article says, the Jaguars beat the Dolphins 23-20, all right? The Jaguars beat the Dolphins 23-20. So here's what normally I would do and most of you would do. The first thing we would do is we'd look up Jaguar. Do we have a picture? Do we have a picture? That's what we look at. Hey, I mean, you're with me. Then what we do is we look up a dolphin. So, the Jaguars beat the dolphins 23-20. Oh, I get it now. That's easy. See, 20 of those dolphins, or 23 of those dolphins, or Jaguars, went in and grabbed 20 of those dolphins and just pulled them out of the water. That's the first thing you start thinking about when you look at the culture. But you've got to understand the culture because it's not talking about actual Jaguars and it's not talking about actual Dolphins, but if you don't understand the culture, you think that Jaguars and Dolphins have been fighting, then all of a sudden you're like, I didn't know that the Jaguars could swim in the ocean like that. And that's not even what's going on. But you gotta understand the culture. Let me break it down a little further for you. When I say the culture. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Most of you know. I'm originally Mr. Rock, yes, yes, I'm a Steeler fan. That's another message. But anyway, so but before I moved here to Jacksonville, watch this. I was living three years in New York City. Same country, different culture. You with me? How do I know? The first time I came down here, I had my kids. My kids were younger, all grown up now, they were younger. We go to McDonald's. And it was the time when McDonald's, I don't know if you remember this, on Wednesday nights, so in church, McDonald's used to sell 39 cent hamburgers and 49 cent cheeseburgers. They used to do that. So I would go in and give them a 10 and say, just fill it up and I'll just give it to the kids. So I had my kids in my truck and their friends. And the first time we ate a cheeseburger from McDonald's, my daughter ate it and she bit into it. She was like, ah, and she threw it on the ground. I was like, how bad can a McDonald's cheeseburger be? So my other daughter ate it and she bit into it and she was like, ah, and she threw it on the ground. I was like, what's wrong with the, the cheese or the cheeseburger? I was like, what's wrong with the cheeseburgers? Same country, different culture. Here's what I didn't know. New York City is the only place that they just put ketchup on cheeseburgers. We got down here, we found that they put on ketchup and mustard. Nobody told me. So when I've been into it, I was like, and I threw it down too. Same country, different culture. Again, I'm in New York City, and so I'm going to Publix. You know, my first time in Publix, I'm in, I got my note already, I'm going into Publix, so I'm going to get the Publix. I'm going milk and bread and oranges. And I walk in Publix, and a lady comes up to me, and she goes, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, Wow, you're tall. 
and your shoes, those are nice. Are they comfortable? And I'm like, yeah, they're comfortable. That's why I bought them, lady. What, 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 what is it? What do you want? She was like, oh, I just want to tell you hello. I thought I owed her money. I was like, do I, do I owe you some money? Look, same country, different culture. Or when I was driving here for the first time, I had to turn on Southside to go to UNF. And I'm sitting at the, I'm sitting in the intersection, no light, and I'm driving, <laughs> and I'm driving, and somebody has the audacity to do one of these. I'm like, uh-uh, no, 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 because I know what's about to happen. I'm going to pull out here, you're going to T-bone me, and you're going to blame it on me. So for the first couple days, like for 30, 40 seconds, I'm... I didn't say, same country, different culture. Last one, this one messed me up. Now, as an African-American male, I thought soul food was, was, I thought the origin of soul food was in the Northeast. I didn't know it originated down here. I didn't. So, maybe the first or second week I was down here, I see two older white grandmothers talking about cooking dinner. I'm listening to it. And they're like, what are you going to make for dinner? And they're talking, they're like, well, I think we're going to go with some fried chicken and some cornbread and some okra and some black eyed peas. And we're going to go, I don't know if the method of mustard greens or the collard greens. I was, standing, I was like, do you have an African-American grandmother that cooks for you too? I didn't know. I didn't know. And I heard Pastor Gary one 10 years ago come up here and say to Miss Kim, uh, 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 Kim, you hadn't made me no greens or no, or no pork chops or no black eyed peas. And I'm like, what, what, what? I didn't know. <laughs> Same country, just a different culture. You with me? You with me? Now let me move into this. Watch this. Because now I'm going to read this. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Let's talk about Capernaum. I brought a map. Can we bring the map? Can we show the map? Can we show the map? You see up there, up at the top, I wish I could jump up and reach it. That's Capernaum up there. This whole area would be Israel. This whole area would be Israel today. Corner scholars would be Israel. And so you got Galilee, you got Samaria, and you got Judea. But up there in Capernaum, that was a, a, a fishing town. And it was very, very wealthy. It was a wealthy town. And not only was it wealthy, people used to come in and out of Capernaum. All kind of people would come in and out of Capernaum. And because they would come in and out of Capernaum, they would have to pay a tax when they came in and a tax when they come out. It's like New York City. You pay a toll when you go in and you pay a toll when you come out. Okay? But they had to pay a tax. Stay with me, church. So you got Capernaum. It's a city that's, that's, that's uh, thriving. It's vibrant. People go in and out, and they have to pay a tax. This is why you have a guy by the name of Levi, who Jesus changed his name to Matthew, and his profession was a tax collector. So it's all starting to make sense to me, okay? So he's a tax collector. Also in the city, they have Romans that are occupying the city. And not only do they have Romans occupying the city, they have a centurion officer who's occupying the city as well. What he means a centurion is that he is an officer and he has a hundred soldiers under him. So that is what's going on in that area of the country. Let's talk about 
the culture. The culture is they are not familiar with Roman soldiers. So they don't like Roman soldiers, all right? They do not like Roman soldiers because they're occupying the land. They do not like the centurion because he's the law. And they definitely don't like tax collectors because tax collectors would rip people off. They were also Jewish. They were ripping people off. What do you mean they were ripping people off? This is what would happen. The tax collectors would mandate and say, hey, Caesar wants $25 this month. So the Jewish tax collectors would go out and tell everybody, hey, Caesar wants $50. They would keep $25 and give Caesar $25. And then they would come back the next month and they would say, hey, Caesar's asking for $75. So they would keep $50 and they'd give Caesar $25. How many of you know after a while people started to figure this out? So they didn't like tax collectors and they didn't like centurion officers. They didn't like tax collectors and they didn't like centurion officers. And here's the interesting part. The centurion was rich, he had influence, he had money, he had power, stay with me. He's a centurion officer in a part of a country that does not even like him, but he has influence, he has money, he has power. The only thing he doesn't have is he doesn't have anything to be able to help his servant to get well. He has everything he thinks he needs, but the one thing that he wants and the one thing that he has to have is a touch from Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, church, that in five weeks when we celebrate Easter, there are going to be people who are going to come in here or people who are out there that they think they have everything that money can buy, and they're not happy. I'm telling you, I've seen them, I've met them. There are going to be people out there who think that they have everything they need except from Jesus Christ. They may not tell you their life is, uh, is doing okay, but if you just talk to them long enough, they'll tell you that I have everything I need except for my life is not complete what is it and they need that touch from Jesus Christ and I'm gonna tell you man we want to be a church this church has a culture that people will encounter Jesus that's the first thing we do it's our four pillars the first one is encounter Jesus and I hope and pray that in five weeks from now that we would be a church that has a culture of going out and inviting people in going out and serving people going out and just showing them love we want to be about go out and show people that they can come here and they can encounter Jesus because let me tell you something in five weeks this whole country is going to is going to celebrate Easter but I hope and pray that this is the same country but in here it's a different culture because we want to see people encounter Jesus we want to see people come in my first point is ignoring them may be the culture of our country but the culture at evangel temple is to have them encounter jesus there are people out there that are struggling with mental health there are people out there struggling with addictions there are people out there struggling and the world has turned against them the country has turned against them people won't even talk to them there are people that are homeless there are people who are living in tents and people will not engage them to ignore them and our culture and this country may be to forget them and ignore them but in here in evangel temple our culture is we want people to engage or to encounter jesus christ amen and that's what i hope happens here in five weeks we're going to get into this deeper now watch matthew chapter 8 verse 8 the centurion answered and said lord I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, <coughs> but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now watch this church. I asked our media team if they can do this for me because I've never, oh, all right, I've never seen this. <coughs> if you can put Luke up, <clears throat> Luke chapter seven, verses two through eight, if you can put it up there, 
Luke chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. Do we have it? And the centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Keep going. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and to heal his servant. Keep going. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. That's the, that's the portion, that's how Luke wrote it. Luke wrote it in such a way where they sent elders to Jesus for the man. The man never, the centurion officer, never spoke to Jesus the way Luke writes it. Luke writes it in a way where Jesus had to consult with other people to go see the centurion. Luke writes it in a way where the centurion had to send some friends to go see him. But here's what I, I, I start, watch this, stay with me church. Luke is a physician. The culture is okay with the physician. They don't have any problems with the physician. Matthew is a tax collector who's not liked by his people. Remember, Luke is the physician, Matthew is a tax collector. Luke is a doctor, Matthew is a tax collector. People are okay with the doctor, they don't like the tax collector, okay? Because remember, this is what it says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Again, Matthew wrote this. While Jesus was having dinner at whose house? Whose house? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Some of your translations will say, why does your teacher eat with the most notorious sinners? Other translations will say, why do sinners eat with scum? Remember, Luke was a doctor. People were okay with the doctor, but Matthew was the one that wrote that, that the centurion came and he spoke to Jesus. Basically, here's what the, the, Matthew was saying. Matthew was saying, you can approach Jesus if you're a Jew. You can approach Jesus if you're a Gentile. You can approach Jesus if you're a centurion. You can approach Jesus if you're a tax collector. You can approach Jesus if you're struggling with drugs and alcohol. You can approach Jesus if you're a divorced mom or you're a divorced dad. You can approach Jesus if you're on your way out of jail or if you're on your way to jail. You can approach Jesus if you're a murderer, Moses, David, Paul. You can approach Jesus and it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done. That's why Luke didn't write it that way. I'm not saying Luke is wrong. Luke just didn't have the, he didn't have the insight like Matthew did because Matthew was a tax collector. He was somebody that the world didn't want to talk to. He was somebody that the country didn't like. He was somebody that people didn't want to have anything to do with it. So when he wrote it, he wrote it as to the centurion, went straight to Jesus. Don't you forget, but it was Jesus that went straight to Matthew and said, follow me. And Matthew went and he followed him and he changed his name from Levi to Matthew. Matthew. That's why he's writing this. That's why he's writing it that way. And I'm telling you, church, they're going to be people. When you approach Jesus, you can approach Jesus. You don't have to consult with somebody to approach Jesus. 
There are going to be people out here who come in Easter and they don't get it. You don't have to approach anybody to consult Jesus. You don't have to call the deacon board here and say, hey, excuse me, can I approach Jesus? You don't have to call Pastor Kim and, and Pastor Gary if you want to approach Jesus. You don't have to come through me, Pastor Randy, Pastor Rick, Pastor Dusty, Pastor Jordan. You don't have to consult with any of them when you go to Jesus. And on April 17th, there are going to be people who are going to come here and they're going to consult Jesus. But here's the problem. There are going to be churches that are not going to go out and get people. There are going to be churches that are not going to go out and get people. They just want people to look like them. There are going to be churches that are not going to go into the communities. There are going to be churches that don't do an outreach. There are going to be churches that just forget about the people that are out there. There are a million people in Jacksonville. 800,000 of them are unchurched. Are you telling me there's not a mission field? There's a mission field out there. And on April 17th, this whole country is going to be um, celebrating Easter, the whole country. I hope and pray that the people in this church will understand the number one thing that we want to do and get people to encounter Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you, there's churches that don't do it. Pastor, um, uh, uh, what was his first name? This morning, Pastor Glenn. He talked about he's been in church. He was talking to myself, Pastor um, Rick and, and Pastor Gary in the back. He said churches are not like yours. They're not like yours. They don't do outreaches. They don't go after people. I'm telling you, April 17th, the whole country will practice Easter, but the culture at Evangel Temple is that we want people to encounter Jesus. Same country, different culture. You with me? Same country, different culture. Now watch this, Matthew 8, 9 and 10. For I also am a man under authority. This is the centurion officer having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was marveled and said to those who followed him, shortly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This is so important. Could you imagine how much faith this centurion officer had, he had the audacity in this country to go up to Jesus and say, I need your help. And he's doing it in front of a whole bunch of people. And as I was studying this, scholars believe that he was on his knees crying out to Jesus. So could you imagine the people who were watching the centurion going to Jesus? Could you imagine this? A centurion officer going to Jesus. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. This is what messed with me. How is it that Jesus, who saw his father make the, make the moon and the stars, saw his father make the oceans and the rivers, saw his father make the mountains and the valleys, and he sees a centurion officer, and he says, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at his faith. I hope and pray when we leave here that you will pray to God about something, that you will go to Jesus and somebody will look at you and say, I'm amazed at your faith. Amazed. He was amazed at it. He was a Roman officer. He was amazed. The Roman officer, this is how God reminds me. He said the one who thought he had all power and authority sought out the one who actually had all power and authority. All power, all authority. The centurion goes to him because the centurion was in a country. He understood the culture of authority. 
He understood the culture of authority. That's why God, or Jesus, was so amazed at his faith because he understood the authority. Here's where I'm going with this. It's, a, it's amazing to me how sometimes there are people who will come in here and they'll come and they'll get indignant and they may dance and they may run and they may be sprawled out and they may be crying and everything and people are looking at them. I'm like, you have no idea what they're going through. You have no idea. And when I see them doing it, and I see them running, and I see them jumping, and I see them shouting, and I see them laying here at the altar indignant, when I see it, I'm amazed at their faith. I'm amazed that they don't care who's watching. They've got to get a touch from Jesus Christ, and they don't care who's watching. I'm amazed at their faith. Amazed at their faith. Think about this. Jesus is in Capernaum. This is supposed to be a place where a lot of uh, Jewish people reside. You would think that he would be amazed at the Pharisees' faith. You would think he would be amazed at the Sadducees' faith. You would think he'd be amazed at the Jewish people's faith. You would think he would be amazed at the faith of the church people. But he wasn't. He was amazed at a centurion officer. And God reminded me the reason that God does these things is he doesn't want, and most of the time, and I, I can't say all the time because I don't know, I'm not omnipotent like he is. He always goes after somebody who's the most least likely person. Here's why. He wants to show people who he is through the most least likely person. That's why it's key we go out and get people. Not even my notes. Pastor Glenn was up here. The guys that got me saved Pastor Glenn was ministered to them when they were in college. I didn't even know it until today. He doesn't minister to them. I'm not here. I'm not here. Praise God. He wants to do things. And when I was preparing this, God reminded me, what about the woman with the issue of blood? She had an issue for blood for a decade. She goes and touches the hem of his garment, and she's, she's, she's healed. What do you think her family thinks? What do you think her neighborhood thinks? What do you think her friends think, her co-workers think? You've been struggling this for years, and now you're healed because you touched who? Because you touched who? The man who was blind from birth, blind from birth. He has his sight, and he's so out of it, they're asking him, how did you get healed? He's like, I don't know, man. I mean, one day I was blind, the next day I, was, I could see. And they're like, who was it? I don't know. It might have been this Jesus God. And then he had the nerve to tell him, you're just mad because you want to be like him, and you don't have his influence. That's why he does it. He does it with people who are the most least likely people so they can come to know. Ten lepers. Lepers. Do you realize what happens if you touch a leper? The blood of Jesus is so strong that it's, it, it overcame the lepers. It healed them. All ten of them. They got healed, but one came back and he was made whole. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to use the most unlikely people like a Samaritan woman or a Roman officer, or a tax collector, or somebody in here. Because I'm here to tell you, I still have friends in Pittsburgh, they're like, dude, we can't believe that you're a Christian now? You're saved now? And they start asking me questions and we go back and forth. I have two, not in my notes, thank you God. I have two friends right now. One I played basketball in college and the other one I grew up with playing basketball. Both of them have cancer. As soon as the cancer set in, who you think the first guy they called? 
Who do you think they called first? And I would pray over them, and I would just let them know God is real. He can heal this. And everything. Now they start going to church. And I haven't got this point to them yet. I said, maybe you got cancer. I, mean, I don't know, but maybe it's going to lead you to Christ. But I, I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm just trying to walk them through it. But God wants to use people that are the most least likely people because in our country, the most least likely people are the ones you put on the back shelf. The least likely people are the ones you don't let the family talk to. The most least likely people are the ones you keep hidden. You don't let them say anything. But I'm here to tell you, in this culture, at this church here, we want the most least likelies to encounter Jesus so they can go out and get some more least likelies. And we'll just be a church of least likelies. But I'm going to tell you something. In five weeks, we're all celebrating Easter. It's going to be a different country. But in here, same country, different culture. Amen. I want to finish up. Worship team, come out. Man, this time fly up here. This is the most, I read this about five or six years ago. It was a diver. He was in, uh, I think he was in Canada. He was a diver. And he was on the Olympic team in Canada. And he just missed out on meddling, getting a medal. And so after he um, got through with the Olympics, he wanted to go back to church. Listen, you got you to hear the story. He wanted to go back to the Olympics. But he knew God was calling him into ministry. And so he was doing some commentating at some uh, Olympic uh, dive preliminaries, and someone would always bring up, are you going to get back? Are you going to get back? Are you going to come back? Your country needs you. Are you going to get back? You almost met him. Your country needs you. And what he would do is he would, for two, for, a, for two years, he would go to a pool and he would practice his diving. But when he would practice his diving, he would do it with the lights out. And I couldn't figure out, why does he do it with the lights out? And as I'm reading, it said, because with the lights out, when he would hit the water, he would feel it on his body. And depending on where he would feel it on his body, he knew whether he was doing the right flips, he was doing as many rotations, whatever, whatever. I'm not a diver. And he was talking about if he felt it on his, uh, on his, on his wrist first, he wasn't doing well. His stomach first, he wasn't doing it well. But when he felt it on his fingertips, he knew he was doing well. So he would practice with no lights on. Fast forward two years into it. He goes to the pool. And he's like, God, I don't know why I keep going after this Olympic thing. My country wants me to go to this Olympic thing. But I know I'm called to ministry. And he's wrestling. So like two years before, he climbs up the ladder. And he walks out. And he's standing on the end of the diamond board. And he's standing there. And as he's standing there, he does what he does all the time. He's standing there. And he just goes like this. And as he goes like this, the moon shines on him as he's standing like this. And it casts a shadow on the wall. I think I have a picture of the shadow, type of shadow it casted on the wall. That's what he saw on the wall. I don't think that's the actual one. That's what he saw on the wall. So he's standing there thinking about what does the country want, but God, I know you want me to go into ministry. And he sees that shadow. And all of a sudden, he just backs off. And he was like, that's the sign I needed. He backs off. He sits down on the diving board and on the steps, and he just starts crying. God, that's the sign I needed. That's the sign I needed. Well, as he's crying, another guy comes in and opens the door and looks up and goes, hey, what are you doing? And this woman's like, I, I, I'm a practicing. I come here for the last two years. It's like, uh, Kevin used to let me come in and practice. And he was like, oh, Kevin? He said, Kevin's not here anymore. 
I'm the new, I'm the new custodian, okay? He was like, all right, take it easy. And he turns and he goes, oh, custodian. I forgot to tell you, I've been a custodian for two days. Uh, my first order of business was to drain the pool, okay? And he turns around and walks out. <laughs> the country wanted him to stay doing the diving thing. But he knew he had a mission from God. Same country. Different culture. You with me? Same country. Different culture. And I'm here to tell you, there's going to be times where God will deal with us in such a way that he's like, I need you to go and minister to people so they will come here for Easter Sunday. Matter of fact, he told me to tell you, this is not me, I am just a vessel, that there are people that the Rolodex in your head is going as I'm speaking. And you're thinking about people in your family, thinking about people who, who live next door to you, people at your job. People, I, I, I know what you're thinking, because th I used to think the same things when I used to hear pastors say like this. I know who you want in your life. That dude is crazy. He's always drinking, and he's always drunk, and he's always swearing, and he's always cursing. Perfect. Perfect. You've got to understand, church, that when we have a culture for people to encounter Jesus, God, it's not my new. Three years ago, two years, three years, I was going through a rough time, a tough time. I didn't want to be back in ministry. Every week, every single week, James, I love you. Just want to let you know I love you. Okay, Pastor Gary. James, I love you. I just want to know I love you. Okay, Pastor Gary. James, I love you. Just want Every week, I started getting sick of it. I was like, every time I saw a text, I'd be like, what does the guy want? No, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. He loves me. And then I started hitting me. It was like, this guy really loves me. And so I started coming to church here. Here I am. Watch this, church. Encounter Jesus. Just went out as simple as a text before James, I love you. That was the culture of this church, was to go after people and encounter Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I'll stand up. I want all of you to stand up. Now, this is an altar call that God told me, if you don't like what I'm getting ready to say, you take it up with God, okay? This is what he told me to say. He said, James, I want you to call every single person down here who's under the sound of your voice. And here's why he told me to tell you to come down here. He said, I want you to call them down so they would have enough boldness, not number one, to come down here, but enough boldness to go out and ask people to come here on Easter Sunday or to get involved in a, a, um, a mission outreach. Because you have to understand, this is what Elsie told me. He said, James, tell them this. There are people that went out of their way to minister to you and 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 to you. Went out of their way to go minister to you so that you could take a seat up in this church or you could take a seat up in this service and you can hear a word from the Lord. Now it's our turn to go out there and invite people to come in on Easter Sunday. And God told me, make sure you call them down, James, so I can, so we can pray over them so they would have a boldness to go out there. And I said, all right, God, I'll do what you asked me to do. I'll do what you asked me to do. So if that's you, first of all, let me do this. Everyone bow your heads, bow your head. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus said this. 
in Luke chapter 12, verse 8. This is what got me. He said, if you ever deny me in front of man, I'll deny you in front of my Father in heaven. But when you accept me in front of man, I will accept you in front of my Father in heaven. And that scripture never came more alive to me than when, when um, Pastor Bartow was preaching. And he talked about the dream that he came up in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, who are you? Who are you? And he wasn't saved. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to slip up a hand. Just a quick hand. Just a quick hand. Amen. See that. Amen. I see that hand. Let me pray over you first. And church, as a declaration of your faith, I want you to pray this with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Your word says that they are as far as the east is from the west. I thank you for your grace, your mercy. And your blood that saves me from myself. I believe that you died and you rose again three days later. I love you and I need you. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to pray this. Father, I pray right now that those who are going to go out and bring people in for Easter, at least ask somebody. I pray that they would come down here so you can give them a mandate, so you can give them the boldness, so you can give them the protection to be able to go out and ask people to come to Evangel Temple at Easter Sunday. I pray that they would get involved with an outreach leading up to Easter. And you ask me to call them down so you could, we could pray for them. And on a count of three, if that's you, I want you to come to this altar. Now before I count this, I, if, if this, this means business. Amen? One, two, three. You can come down to the altar and let's pray. Thank you, Lord.